What's up, Ego Hackers? Welcome to Confessions of an ENTP. Decided to do this uh, pre-recorded instead of live. Christmas is uh, finally over, and uh, which is pretty cool. Got a uh, nice opportunity to see family and uh, friends uh, for this uh, holiday season. And I'm not really one for New Year's, so... But yeah, hanging out with uh, my little ones. They're all in one place, enjoying each other and having a lot of fun. Uh, which I'm very uh, grateful to have the opportunity uh, for them to uh, see their family. So, and you know, that is after all why why we do this. We care about we care about family, and uh, that's ultimately what the ego hacker community is all about. We're here to put a stop to fatherlessness because fatherlessness, in my estimation, is the number one thing that is plaguing all of society and ultimately the entire world, and it will swallow us up whole, ergo leaving society completely and utterly annihilated and destroyed and basically resetting everything that we've ever worked for, including our ancestors, back to zero or even behind zero, and it'll be a long time for us maybe to even get back to zero because of the huge disaster that awaits us if we do not make some changes. So yeah, that's kind of why I do what I do. It comes from Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. In the last days I'll send my prophet Elijah to you, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their sons, and the hearts of sons to their fathers, or else I will strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. I may not be the uh, prophet Elijah, but his mission is mine, and I will see it through. Because unless we bring back masculinity, there's really no point. So, this particular lecture is dedicated uh, to my good friend, Noah. A lot of you folks may know Noah. A lot of you um, may uh, know him as Fib on the uh, Discord server. He is a uh, madman for us. He does a lot of hard work, has a lot of insight, and is definitely... Uh, one of uh, my favorite people uh, within the community and definitely somebody who is a part of my inner circle. Um, I love him uh, dearly and in as much as I would be willing to lay down my life for all the men in my inner circle, he's definitely no exception. So, uh, and this, this lecture, this lecture is uh, dedicated to him because he is a fellow ENTP but from a different octogram perspective. He is subconscious developed, subconscious focused, whereas I am unconscious developed, uh, subconscious focused. So he actually has a lot better mastery of extroverted intuition uh, than I do as a result of a lot of his effort-based investments that he's put into himself, uh, given that <laughs> who he has as a father has definitely really helped his development in an extremely healthy way compared to me, where... I've had to fight tooth and nail for absolutely everything that I have in my life. Uh, now, I'm not saying I'm better than him. I'm not saying he's better than me. That has nothing to do about it. But it's just, it's just so interesting to see how different we are as ENTPs because we are on the polar opposite spectrum. And forgive me, I'm 
under the weather right now, folks. But I just couldn't resist. You know, I can't, can't resist. So, anyway. Uh, so, he's, he's been a bit more enabled, you know, with his upbringing. And that led to SDSF with his octogram. Whereas I have been entirely disabled. And that has left me being UDUF. But there is one particular trait that still stands out, you know, with us being ENTPs, that really doesn't change that much. And it's also, you know, this also directly applies uh, to, you know, other NPs, especially ENFPs, INFPs, ENT or INTPs, although it can be a little... A very different application uh, with this, but what I'm basically stating is that there's a trait among ENTPs that could easily be exploited, um, but it's also a trait that you just kind of have to understand. You have to manage. You have to know it exists when you're dealing with NPs and having relationships with them. This includes friendships, sexual relationships, parenting, whatever, right? And it really comes down to a concept known as proof, proof of desire, right? Proof of desire, you know. I think this is one of the reasons why ENTPs, for example, are extremely sensitive to uh, receiving gifts from other people. And I've noted that uh, gift giving usually comes from FI heroes and FI child the best out of all of the 16 types. You know, it's, it's a love language, um, but ENTPs are particularly sensitive to receiving gifts from other people, which is funny because I was hella in denial about this for like so long. Thank you, Duggo, for ripping my head off and showing me the correct ways. Good sir. Uh, same with you, uh, Harry, as well. So Harry and uh, Duggo, so Uberzerker and Duggo, thank you, gentlemen, for setting me straight on how that all worked, uh, because I was in denial, and uh, and it was a <laughs> they gave me an identity crisis after coming up with that for a while, and uh, wasn't wasn't fun to be in identity crisis. But honestly, like it was nice, it was nice to be the victim of an identity crisis again for the first time in many 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 years, because I thought you know physical touch was my uh, love language, but I didn't really understand how that worked. More on all this later in subsequent content. That's not that important. But the point is, gift-giving as, um, as a love language, be it for friendship or sexual relationships, whatever, what have you, gift-giving is ultimately important because it is concrete proof of desire, right? It's just like, so like, for example, let's say, let's say you're, you're an ENTP and you're in an online relationship with a woman you know, she's got to show proof of desire, right? Proof of desire. Why? Well, because ENTPs, just like all NPs, but ENTPs have it the worst, right? From an ENTP perspective, we are cold as ice. It's because every ENTP basically is inside of a frozen wasteland, right? And our bodies are basically encased in ice, very, very deep ice, like a big glacier. 
And it's as if a part of our ocean, the ocean that is expert intuition hero, has basically gotten to a point where it's frozen over. It's frozen over and we're, there's this frozen wasteland, this frozen hell that all of us ENTPs exist in, live in, and we're frozen. We are just, in, it's like we're, we're encased in carbonite, you know, except we're encased inside of our own glacier, basically. And, you know, depending on your octogram, the octogram kind of, you know, denotes like the amount of ice that you're actually encased in. So if you're an SDSF octogram, uh, like our good friend Noah, he is not encased in that much ice. Not as much. You know, it's a, it's, it's a thin layer. It's a thin layer. Makes it a little bit easier to, um, to melt down. Or you could actually argue it a little bit differently. Maybe it's the same exact amount of ice. But the uh, buried treasure within the glacier, some would say that it is of higher quality, of higher value, and thus brings the proof of desire, brings the fire, a much greater fire towards his glacier to melt it down when compared to other people, which is not a bad thing. Go him. I mean, it is what it is. Being SDSF does have its benefits in the long run. And then there's me, the UDUF ENTP, where it is extremely thick ice. Extremely thick ice. But like, or it's the same exact ice as it would be for Noah, let's say. Let's say it's identical. Uh, but then like when you look inside the glacier and you see what's in there, it's dark. It's evil, gothic, potentially gross. You don't know what you're looking at. It's, um, it's like that beauty and the beast uh, lore type of thing. I mean, why, why melt down the ice if you're going to be letting out a beast, right? This kind of reminds me of this anime uh, fairy tale where uh, the ice magic teacher sacrificed uh, her life after performing a certain dance using her ice magic to encase a very powerful uh, demon in ice, basically. And there's this one episode where some dudes are trying to melt that ice in order to free the demon. And then the fairy tale guild had to investigate it, try to attempt to stop it. They didn't. The ice demon got the big demon, which is like some giant yeti, I think, got away. And then they defeated the yeti demon monster thing later in the show. That's the thing. Like, when you're UDUF as an ENTP like myself... It's like you're that frozen yeti, that frozen demon, basically. Because we've gotten so close to our superego. So very close to our superego that we do kind of look like demons. We kind of do behave like demons. It's funny, I was actually accused of being demon-possessed a couple of days ago. Funny how that works. It's because I'm very close to my superego, very close. And when people look into the deep, dark abyss of, you know, C.S. Joseph, UDUF, it's pretty scary what they find in there. Thing is, is that what they don't realize is that if for some reason they are able to actually take the risk to thaw the ice and break out the demon, would that, not, would that demon not be so powerful as an ally? Think about that. Would that demon not be there? Like, as much as the QB, the nine-tailed demon fox, was an ally to Naruto, for example... Right? 
would that not would that not be uh, so valuable in that situation? So it just really depends. You have to look at it from a risk and reward perspective. You know, when you're trying to be friends with a UDUF ENTP versus an SDSF ENTP. SDF ENTP, they're generally happier, happier. They got a ton of experience. They just keep going. They keep exploring. They're amazing um, from, from that perspective. And they're kind of in a place where, you know, because it is written, you know, the first will be last, last will be first. They've kind of like broken that to a point. The thing, because usually ENTPs would take a long time to develop their ISFJ subconscious over time, but they've just flipped the script and just gone for it because they're utilizing all of the power and the support that their family has given them from their upbringing, right? And that's only just served to make things better in absolutely every way. Sure, it can lead to maturity, but you can't deny that the extra high amount of life experience that they have up front, especially in their youth, um, just makes them that much more desirable. You have, yeah, you cannot deny that. And this is where like the huge benefit of SDFSF comes into play. UDUF ENTPs, a little bit different. They have huge amounts of uh, life experience, although very depressing life experience, with an insanely high amount of pain. But that pain is not something, it's not really something that can limit them. Because it's so funny, like, you know, people talk about, you know, UDUF ENTPs, and it's like, okay, well, they're usually almost always super highly motivated. If they didn't kill themselves due to the high amounts of depression that they faced in their life, you know, by now, you could just automatically assume they're going places. Because UDUF ENTP, just like, for example, King Solomon, have the potential to become the wisest people on the planet. I remember one time, you know, just realizing how stupid it was to, like, pray to God and ask for cars, money, and women, and muscles, right? Stupid, right? When the reality of the situation is, it's far more valuable to ask for wisdom, right? Because, like, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Or, but first think his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you, Matthew six thirty three. But the point is, like, if you put your effort into the right place, everything else, you'll gain everything else as like a byproduct, right? And that's ultimately the value of wisdom, right? So the UDUF ends up having wisdom in spades. The problem is, is that the price of wisdom is extreme suffering. Ultimately, it is that internal deal with the devil, basically, that the UDUF ENTP is going to have to make in order to gain that wisdom, which can be a very scary thing, a very scary prospect for most people, especially when they're on the edge of the glacier of the abyss itself, looking at the frozen demon and it's staring back at them, wondering whether or not the person is going to bother to desire that demon enough to actually thaw it out. This is why us ENTPs, we become cold as ice. So, encased within Noah's, uh, <laughs> sorry to go here, bro. Uh, encased within Noah's um, uh, uh, glacier, it's like, uh, like a very amazing, righteous form of um, like his ego to a point where you can almost argue it's like angelic to a point. But, you know, that's more of a super ego approach. But it's like, hey, you have this warrior of light encased in 
the glacier. Yeah, definitely. We're going to thaw them out. We're going to get their help. You know, the thing is, too, is that like, okay, or we thaw out the demon. Are those two going to fight? Or are they both going to help us? Who's going to be the ally? Who's not? And yet, Turalyon sits on the throne in Stormwind, right? In, uh, in World of Warcraft currently. Yeah, that's going to blow up pretty soon. As Turalyon basically becomes the new Garrosh Hellscream of the Alliance and ends up being the final boss in one of the upcoming expansions. Whatever. So, either way though, the point is, is that there's different choices. There's different reasons to thaw the ice because every ENTP out there is cold. Cold as ice and will always be cold. Always. And as much as like you look at an ESTP and ESTPs not really going to want to have anything to do with anybody unless that person proves that they're not going to give up on them, that that person proves that they are steadfast and they can actually stick around even when the ESTP fails consistently, right? And even though the ESTP really sucks at giving gifts, they really have a hard time doing that proof of desire because the love language of gift giving is actually the best language for proof of desire. Think about it. The ENTP's love language is acts of service and contribution. Is it not the highest form of contribution? Is it not the highest act of service, the highest quality act of service, the highest quality act of satisfaction to give a gift to the ENTP? Why? What's the difference between gifts and presents? You know, we just had Christmas here, right? A present is something that you choose to give somebody. This is why ESTPs are terrible at giving gifts. Because their NI inferior is so focused on giving what they want to give other people. And it usually has a lot to do with what other people need. And that's great. And then there are people who give gifts. And these are the people who figure out, what does this person actually want? And they go find that one thing and they go give it to them. You know, and in my life, I've gotten the best gifts and the best proof of desire um, from ENTJs, from ISFPs, and INTJs. Uh, although, to be fair, um, right now, the greed types are definitely beating out any INTJ gift I've ever received. So, that's pretty cool. Very cool. It's nice to have that... Uh, that opportunity. So, but that's the difference because it's, again, it's proof of desire. These are the people who are coming up to my glacier where myself as the demon am encased inside, encased in carbonite. And they have this big fireball, this giant flamethrower to melt the ice, to basically free me from the ice. Anytime they take that desire away, well, guess what? The ice grows back, right? So they have to be consistent. They have to be consistent with that introvert intuition fire on a regular basis. Why do you think the ENTP exists in part of the heart temple? Because we're looking for hearts of fire, hearts of fire to thaw us out of our ice because we are cold as ice. And without something as simple as affection, which is another form of proof of desire, just like gifts, you know, with the INTJ golden pair showers us with affection 
And that affection also breaks us out of the ice. It also thaws us out of the ice as much as gifts do. And then the wayfarer, for example, because their affection and their gifts are their treasure, if a wayfarer can wield both of them simultaneously, <laughs> especially a wayfarer woman towards an ENTP man, if the wayfarer woman can wield both simultaneously, become the best and most affectionate, the best at being affectionate and the best at gift-giving, they'll have that ENTP always. They never have to uh, fear losing that ENTP, not even once. That actually was exactly what I experienced with my first love before she died of brain cancer. It's a really sad story. Just watch the film A Walk to Remember with Mandy Moore. If you want to know what high school was like for me, just watch that film. Except at least Landon, the ENTP of that story, had a much better outcome than I did. Way better outcome than I did. So, anyway. But the point is, is that without proof of desire, ENTPs will freeze over. Will freeze over. You know, if you're, if you're a woman, you're in a relationship with an ENTP man, like, if you're not affectionate, because here's the thing, like, we, we, just, did, we just did a an article on this like in May okay it's called you just go to csjoseph.life forward slash blog and then search skin hunger right skin hunger no one suffers more from skin hunger than an ENTP and also ESFJs actually ESFJs probably have it worse actually ESFJ men probably have it the absolute worst with ENTP men having it the second worst Interesting that they're a conflict pair, right? And they're the ones that struggle with skin hunger the most. So skin hunger. And it talks about how touch is super important from, for an SI user. We have an article from Psychology Today also implanted within the article as the main source of the discussion. And John Bodine takes it from there. It's interesting because I had that article literally written for the express purpose of explaining to a woman in my life exactly how to be around me and how to behave around me, basically. Because she just didn't get it. She just didn't get it at all. And I find that entirely frustrating. So, like, if a woman is not willing to, you know, if she's not willing to be affectionate, she's not really willing to, you know, give those super thoughtful gifts, even if sometimes that super thoughtful gift is herself. Maybe, like, she's just so in awe or enamored by something crazy that I just pulled off and then all of a sudden she presents herself to me naked and it's like hey do me right now <laughs> you know that's an example of proof of desire that melts the ice what's also important too is that if their heart of fire of these women for example when they're going to us ENTPs encased in this ice, this metaphysical ice that we literally have surrounding our souls because this ice is basically the armor that we have to protect our souls, basically, because we just want to see proof of desire. We just want to see who's willing to melt the ice, who's willing to penetrate the abyss. The abyss is more, it's better, um, it's, a, it's a better model for INTPs with their sunken, buried treasure, but, but frozen glaciers, a, little, a literal frozen wasteland hell, that's more appropriate for ENTPs. And this super mega thick glacier is ultimately a big deal and a big problem, right? 
So watch out for the glacier. Are, are the things encased in the glacier really worth thawing out? Yeah, I mean, I'm an ENTP UDUF. I'm scary. I'm super intimidating. You know, very few people even know how to deal with me. And just like every ENTP out there, by default, people just don't trust me. That's why trust ends up becoming the ENTP's number one need, basically. And you can't get around that. You can never get around that. That's just the reality of the situation. That's just how we live life. And there's no way that we could ever get away from that. And it sucks. So we're looking for the people out there who choose to trust us who don't don't treat us like everybody else has that's who we're looking for that's who we are we're looking for the people who have the hearts of fire friends lovers doesn't matter have that heart of fire to burn and burn and burn bright and burn hotly and melt that glacier away that they would have the patience to melt the glacier, to melt the ice, the patience to go through our trust checks, the patience to jump through all of our hoops, the patience to deal with the coquetry and keep melting that ice until finally we're freed from the ice. And then after we're freed from the ice, they don't stop. There have been times in my life where I've been married, they thawed me out of the ice, but then they stopped because they thought they succeeded after thawing the ice. But then slowly over time, because they stopped, the ice would return. See, the thing is, is that these people need to understand that they have to continually warm, bring warmth to our bodies, basically, after we've been thawed from this ice so that the ice doesn't grow back. Just because they succeed in getting us out of the ice does not mean that the battle is over or that the war is over. They may have won the battle of getting us out of the ice, but the war is far from over. It's because we can't warm ourselves. Extroverted feeling trickster does that, gets in the way. We can't warm ourselves. Extroverted feeling child combined with extroverted intuition hero is literally the source of the ice itself, this cognitive loop, basically. And even with TI parent to try to get in the way of these two functions looping together, it's still not enough. The ice will grow. And the ice will always be there. So, if you're in a relationship with an ENTP, and you're wondering to yourself, oh, why are they being so cold? Why is she being so cold towards me? Why is he being so cold? Well, go look in the mirror. It's you is the problem. You're not affectionate enough. Just like it says in that article that John Bodin wrote. Affection is the cure for bitterness. Okay, well, what is the bitterness? That is all of the collected ice that needs to be thawed and melted away from the ENTP. You, for example, if you are a lover of an ENTP, it is your job to consistently melt the ice. And there's many ways that you could do this. You could send, for example, um, like, I don't know, Get them some food every now and then. Buy them some clothes. You know, help their introverted sensing. Uh, you know, uh, initiate uh, sexual interludes with them, right? Uh, without them having to work really hard. Make it conve- make you conveniently accessible uh, to them, sexually otherwise. That's a big deal, right? That's all so very important, and it's necessary. 
It's entirely necessary to understand. You know, um, send them some nudes sometimes, you know, like keep the fire going. Got to make it convenient for them. Why? Well, because theirs is the love language of acts of service, also known as contribution. And how you hurt someone who has the love language of acts of service is, well, guess what? You hurt them by putting obstacles in front of them and making things inconvenient for them. Don't forget, ENTPs are ultimately feminine types. They're feminine types. Most people say, well, women need to be warmed up throughout the day in order for them, you know, to be all good with sexuality, you know, but at the end of the day, they're like, no, no, not when you're dealing with, not when you're dealing with masculine female types, that doesn't apply to them. And it does apply to feminine male types. Why don't you think about that? It does apply. So why aren't you like considering the risk of what you're saying? Okay. Yeah, the ANTPs are cold as ice, right? So like I said, if you're in a relationship with an ENTP, like, and they're cold towards you, it's your fault. It's your fault. You are not showing, you are not proving to Expert Intuition Hero that you want them enough. You are not showing Extroverted Feeling Child that you are making them number one priority. Where's your proof of desire? Where is it? You could prove desire with affection or you could prove desire with gifts. Those are your only choices. And the person who masters both is the person who will always unlock the ENTP's heart forever. It's not hard. So get your head in the game and understand what you're dealing with. Understand the responsibility that you have to face when it comes to the ice because you are literally on ice management for life if you're in a relationship with an ENTP. And it just comes so easy to INTJs. It just comes so easy to ISFPs. It even comes so easy to ENTJs for the most part, even though they're like third place in that area. But that's what they do. They are on ice management. That's not as big of a deal for like an ENFP, for example, because ENFPs, at least they have introverted feeling parent, they still have warmth on them. The extrovert intuition hero will still have ice grow on them, but it's not as bad. It's not as bad as all. Nope, not as bad. Why? Well, because the introverted feeling parent still keeps them warm internally. So it's much easier to break them out of the ice, and it's much easier for them to stay out of the ice, but not an ENTP. We're soulless enough due to our introverted feeling trickster, right? Makes it even more difficult. And then when you consider the differences between ENTPs with the octogram, SDSF versus UDUF, you know, on, on polar opposite extremes, you have to be like, okay, well, hold on. What I'm unearthing could be really scary. It could be a huge curse on my life. It could be a huge blessing on my life. I don't know. Thing is, is that people could still be friends with demons. People can still be friends with angels, or more accurately, people can still be enemies with angels. Might want to read the book of Enoch to find out just how angels can be the enemy. The Watchers of Heaven, for example, the very first actual real pantheon of gods on, uh, on this world, who literally created a world that was like equivalent to Attack on Titan before they were all wiped out, all the giants were wiped out by... Uh, Noah's Flood. So whatever, as the ancient history goes. Watch the Bright Insight uh, YouTube channel by Jimmy Corsetti. It's pretty fun. 
There's also a few other similar uh, channels that he did, which I also enjoy. So, yeah. Anyway, folks, the bottom line is, is that if you're friends or in a relationship with an ENTP and they're being cold towards you, it's your fault. You are not affectionate enough. You are not giving gifts enough. You do not have enough proof of desire. You are not showing your ENTP your heart of desire because that's what they thrive on. That's what they consume. That's what they run on. And because an ENTP is going to either run on the ice itself, the bitterness, they're going to either be run, they're going to run on bitterness or they're going to run on your desire for them. And if they're being bitter, that means you failed. You failed them. You failed your ENTP. And guess what? There's no difference between you and anyone else in their life because they all treat them that way. You got to make sure that you're differentiating yourself. Seriously. There's a lot of really good ENTP men in the ego hacker community. Some of them at the highest echelons, some of them at the lowest echelons. But a lot of them are really, really good men, for example. And those men deserve a lot more than what they've been getting. A lot more. So if they're cold, that's on you. You might want to fix that. You might want to be aware of that. You might want to take responsibility and realize that you ain't doing a good job. Think about how especially bad it is for an ENTP man, for example, when it comes to marriage, right? An ENTP man gets into a committed relationship. What, what happens in that committed relationship? Frequency of sex goes down. Quality of sex goes down. His woman lets her body go, basically. And it's just a nightmare. And then all of a sudden, there is no proof of desire anymore. There isn't any anymore. You know, and then she comes up to him and complains to him. And she's like, well, why don't you touch me anymore? To which he would respond, well, you used to be touchable, but you're not touchable anymore. And then all of a sudden, that gift of herself that she brings to him isn't worth that much anymore. It's not enough to melt the ice anymore. Ladies, pay attention to what you're doing and understand the consequences. Right? Because that's bullshit. Pay attention. You don't even know what you're doing. All right? That's why all the NTP men, especially the higher value they are, and usually NTP men can be really high value because they're just so rare, is that they all have this insanely high expectation about women's health and them taking care of themselves because taking care of themselves is an example of proof of desire. Because if a woman takes care of herself, that means she can present herself to her man, her ENTP man, as a gift. But then if she's not presentable as a gift anymore, it makes him feel less desired. And then the ice grows even faster. This is just one example. And then all of a sudden, he's cold again, cold as ice. And again, that's your fault. Your fault. The ENTP isn't initiating. The ENTP is just reacting with their introverted sensing based on your level of desire that they sense through Expert Intuition Hero. It is not hard. If you want to keep your ENTP, well, I suggest, girls, you put out. Put out or get out. Thanks for watching, folks. I'll see you guys on the next episode.